1: No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com
2: Hello and welcome to this week's No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me this week are James, Jordan, Simon and Kevin and it's a sad day here at the podcast because we've lost Marvin Sordell. This is the Marvin Sordell Memorial Podcast. But before we get on to transfers, let's talk about Saturday's win, two-one victory at Bristol City. Burnley back-to-back wins for the first time this season, and up and running in the league, James. It was a, a strange game, though. We we didn't really get on top at any point, I didn't think.
3: Um, no, I'd, I'd say we were probably lucky to to you know to get the result we did, um, particularly on the first half performance. I mean, for us to be 2 0 up at half time. Um, you know it was a bit of a bit of a surprise they you know they looked a decent side they've got quite a bit of pace um particularly up front I felt you know michael Duff at times you you could definitely tell that you know he's in the the later years of his career because they had a couple of quick lads up front that caused him a lot of issues but um you know the marking i think for for both of our goals was poor and ultimately you know we, we took chances and that's something that um you know good sides do
2: it it was a weird game. Like you say, the first half hour in particular, I felt like Bristol City were getting through far too easily and they seemed to miss a lot of clear-cut chances. Tom Heaton's positioning was good, but they seemed to keep hitting chances straight at him. And I agree, I think we were very lucky to go in 2 Um Jordan, two more goals from set pieces. Pinpoint delivery from David Jones. And we look at real threat from corners at the moment, which you've not really been able to say about Burnley for a long time.
4: No you're right It's something I think um we've all been unaccustomed to really um headed goals and particularly from set pieces. Um I think there's been a few issues and and concerns raised about the fact that we've conceded uh, sorry scored one goal all season um via um you know an actual foot you know they've they've all been headed in apart from uh, from Matt Taylor's free kick. So um I think it's it's um sort of nice in a way to maybe take the pressure off some of the strikers as well um, but then again I remember in the last in the promotion season there was a lot of emphasis on the fact that other players weren't chipping in with goals and it was just down to wings and vorks and of course it was fantastic and to have two firing strikers up front was was brilliant but I think we've sort of gone from one extreme to the other now where you know we've got you know five six well that number seems to be dwindling but we've got excellent of strikers at the minute who um, you know, Vaux is the one that scored this season competitively, and, and the rest have come from from our new goal machine, Michael Keane. But um, no, they were both well taken at us. Both, um, as you say, could have been perhaps defended better from from a Bristol City point of view. But um, certainly take them, I and it uh, leaves us in a in a nice position now going into in, in the uh, international break. Sorry, it's certainly
2: good timing, isn't it, Kevin, to get those wins on the board? I think a lot of fans were getting a little bit antsy over the lack of wins, but back-to-back wins, and we've not played particularly well in either game, that's got to be a good sign, hasn't
5: it? It has, yeah, and I think, like you say, it's good timing. Um, maybe after the first couple of games, we were fans starting to wonder, are we going to have that, um, that's, that typical relegate from Premier League season, where teams tend to struggle? But I think I think now, actually looking at the table now, a few games later, we're actually in quite a strong position. Um um like i say we're not we have still not probably played to our best uh and it seems what we said last week is that we, we've not got that fluidity yet but we're getting the points on the board now which is the good thing um and it's it's probably a good time to have that international break now because we've got those, those points on the board we've got those wins under his belt um and now shun dice can get spend a bit of time with the lads um to get that fluidity in, into the game a little bit more because like you said we've not been at our best um and probably opposition have been controlling the games even the ones we've won um but yeah i, I it's a it's a show dice cliche, but that character's there to um to, to to not play well but win games and that's that's often the sign of a of a, a successful team is that when you even when you're not winning playing that well you you're winning games so um yeah it's it's great i'm really happy with with how we are now I think we're in a strong position going into the international break.
2: Simon, welcome to the podcast. First and foremost, what what were your thoughts on Saturday's result and the season as a whole so far?
0: Alright, uh, yeah, no, I thought I thought obviously it's a good result, and, and the problem performance that I saw from the highlights was 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 solid most of the time, apart from some of those scares in, in the first half. Um, but I think, I think, I think the problem is you know the, the team's still finding its shape, isn't it? Really, we don't even with the. Uh, the personnel, you know, there's been a new player coming in every week during the season, and and we've seen little bits of Hennings. We saw little bits of Vossen. We haven't had a, a settled strike pairing up front. The midfield still has that little bit of a makeshift feel about it with uh, with Offield and Jones there, which isn't an ideal pairing as as we as we know and saw at the end of last season as well. So it sort of feels like it's been an extended pre-season in a way, even though the games have mattered and the points have mattered and there's that that fight there. The fact that you can't look at it and say, this is the team for this season, because there's been so many question marks, has has given it that kind of feel where I think you can say, okay, it is a very good time indeed for a break. You know, the, the fitness levels of some of the new players can be got up to speed. And then hopefully against Wednesday, you know, we come out with, with a team that looks like this edition of the Burnley team.
2: Have you been surprised to see so many changes to the team? Because what what we know about Dice is that he likes a settled eleven, but I think we've made changes pretty much every game. Like you say, there's the partnership up front. I think we've put pretty much played a different two every match so far.
0: Yeah, I think I think part of it is is the fitness thing, because you know, you look at some of those players. And it's surprising really because one of the things Daish has gone on and on about every year and we see it, uh, you know, the videos put out by the club and so on is is how intense the preseason is so that they can hit the ground running. And and that really hasn't been the case this year. There's quite a few players who I mean, I'm watching from afar on highlights on Claret's player or on T V coverage and so on. But, you know, I mean the guys who see the games live, alive, by all means correct me if I'm wrong. But there's a few players have looked a bit, you know, a step short of the pace that they showed in the past. I mean Boyd to me hasn't looked as lively as he did last year. You wonder if he's really fully fit. Vossen looked miles off the pace when he came in, okay, he's another story, but there's been a few players there who just haven't you know, the whole team doesn't seem to have had that that sharpness about it that you would have expected after pre-season.
2: I think that's a fair point and it, it is because that's what we expect from Burnley, isn't it? We expect them to be fitter than any other team in the league and they don't quite look there Certainly Sam Volts, I think he's got a way to go. Boyd, I think it might just be more confidence with George Boyd. He seems to be struggling a little bit. Um, one player who made his debut at the weekend was Andre Gray at the club, of course. So he turned down Bristol City. He had the chance to go there and turn them down. Um, James, he wasn't massively involved, but there were some promising touches. And Do you think there were any signs of a good partnership with Sam Volk for me? Um
3: It's hard to say, really, whether there was a partnership for him, but you know, he, he... I wouldn't say he had a poor game, but at the same time, he, you know, he didn't particularly have a you know, good game, but um he was getting a obviously a bit of a rough treatment off the the home fans and you know the defenders were taking a lot of his shirt quite a lot of the time. So, you know, he was up against it um really to, to I think to do what he wanted. But um, you know, he I think he had a lot of signs that that showed that he's definitely worth the money we spent. You know, you can see he's a powerful guy, you know, quick, and um, you know, I'm sure it's not gonna take long for him to start scoring goals, you know, particularly if if we can start getting something working with, you know, Volks and him and, you know, has aerial ability and his his ability to bring the ball down could work really well for, you know, managing to unleash Grey.
2: What I liked about Grey was his willingness to run the channels, which I don't think we've really seen from anyone else in the in the squad, certainly this season. I don't think we did it enough last year either. He was looking for the ball over the top quite a lot as well, and I think I think he's really going to stretch teams. And once we've got Someone in midfield, maybe Joey Barton, who's going to spot those runs and play him in. I think we'll get a lot of joy from doing that. You could see that you could tell that it was his debut. I think he made a lot of runs and was looking for the ball and it just didn't come a lot of the time. But there were a couple of touches where you could see his quality. I think he's going to be a really good signing.
3: I think he's sort of the type of striker that we haven't seen at the turf in you know, quite a while. We seem to have gone for... Um, I'm not, not really sure how to phrase, you know, we even seem to go for target men like Volks, you know, Gareth Taylor, or, you know, Porch is, well, yeah, more Porch is sort of like Andy Gray or Charlie Austin, whereas, I mean, Andre Gray is a bit more of an all-rounder and can, you know, can do a little bit more than uh,
2: those sort of players can. We've seen a couple of strikers go, and we'll come on to that um, just in a couple of minutes, but Jordan, Volks and Gray started at Bristol, do you think they're probably going to be the, the first two going forward?
4: I imagine so. Yeah, I think it's it's the obvious answer having lavished um, you know so much on on Gray and, and Vaux obviously um, you know being so prolific for us particularly a couple of seasons ago. I think that's the obvious answer. Um, it's sort of been difficult over the past few weeks to to get a clear idea of who is going to be the partnership because Strikers have been coming and going. And um, but I'd like to think the sooner we get a settled partnership, obviously, that the better it will be. And, and Gray and Vaux seems a natural choice. I mean, as you alluded to, um, Gray likes to run the channels um, and there's obvious benefits to that. You know, it it brings others into play, creates space in the middle. And um, yeah, it seems certainly logical. I mean, um, as James mentioned, he got a bit of a rough time down at Bristol City from their fans. But, you know, among all that, he showed some sharp touches. He looked good. um, Nice couple of turns, you know. And and I think, you know, Deitch said before he joined us, he'd already been playing for, for Brentford anyway, so he didn't need sort of gain any fitness. But I still think there might be an extra gear or two maybe for him to move into but um, yeah I think the international break will be important um, to sort of establish um, a strike partnership I think whoever sort of whichever two strikers come out of that playing together um, against I think Sheffield Wednesdays the first game I think those two onwards will sort of be our our select front two um, for the rest of the season.
2: We've not seen much of Ruin Hennings yet I think a lot of fans are really excited by his son is. Maybe a bit unusual that we've not seen him. It could be a fitness thing. Maybe we'll see him after the international break. Um, Kevin, moving forward then, what What do you think the strongest team's looking like? I know we touched on this last week, but with the, the transfer windows over, we know pretty much what the squad's going to be, although there is the chance to get loans in. Um, Matt Lowton played a development squad game today, Tuesday. Dean Marnie's on his way back, but some way away. Um, Chris Long also coming into the picture. Do you think that there'll be many changes to the team? Barton will presumably come in. Uh,
5: no, I think there'll be one change to the team. Um, I think Derrick was playing playing well and I, I don't think Dice likes to drop players who are playing well, so I think Derrick will keep his place. Um, the only change will be Barton coming in for somebody. Um, for me, that would be Boyd. Um, I, I think... I prefer Boyd to Kaitly, but I think Kightley's playing better than Boyd this season. Um, so the only change for me would be Barton in for Barton in for Boyd, and then obviously Arfield back back out wide. Um, uh, other than that, is probably as as we are.
2: That's interesting. I, I I thought there might be a few more changes. We, we can talk about that a bit more later in the podcast. Join Barton. Then when we talked about Barton on last week's podcast, it was very much a. A rumour that seems to have come out of nowhere and then then it's happened very quickly. Dash had he been talking to Joey Barton for eight weeks. Seemed confidence of getting it done, and hours later it was announced that he signed on a one year deal, taking quite a lot of people, including myself, certainly by surprise. Um Simon, what do you make of the Joey Barton signing? It's it's a coup in a way, isn't it? But do you think it's also a risk? Um, I'm not sure it is a risk really, as long
0: as, you know, as long as he is as, as fit and as hungry as he says he is. And he's he's been really impressive in his, his press conference today that I watched. Um and in everything he's said since he's joined the club, he does seem to have, you know, the right attitude. He seems to have come to the club for the right reasons. Um and if he wants to just get stuck in and get, get be part of this team, um I think he, I think it could be great because the midfield has been Missing somebody with that kind of authority that you can stamp on games, you know, because Jones is a player who I think is outstanding at keeping things ticking, keeping things moving, um, but he's not a player who really stamps his authority on games. Uh, Marnie, even when he's fit, he's somebody who will work very hard again, keeps it ticking, and, and, and when they've been at their best, that's been fine. But we found last year, really, with, with our field in there, I think that that absence of a personality and I'm not talking about his off the field personnel but he's on the field personality somebody who can who can dictate the tempo of the game a little bit put his foot on the ball when he wants to or or step it up when he when he thinks it's needed that's something that's been missing from our midfield for the last the last second half of last season and and so far this year so i think i think all the signs are it could be a, an excellent signing but the, The risk, rather than the personality things about Barton, which, you know, you've got to take his word that he's put those kind of issues behind him, really. I I think the risk is more, you know, he's 33. um, I think he just turned 33. And, you know, the picking up injuries, or perhaps, you know, he doesn't get off to a great start, and he's sat on the bench, Marnie comes back, and, and then is he going to be somebody who's happy to be a squad man? You know, if it comes down to that, and with the money that we're presumably paying him in wages, would we be happy with that? So I think that's the risk side of it. But overall, I, I think it's an excellent signing.
2: You, you do have to wonder where he is in terms of fitness. I think he has trained with a couple of clubs over the summer and he seems like the sort of player who would look after himself properly. But he's going to be a bit behind the squad, surely. Obviously, he's got a chance to catch up over the international break, but we don't know exactly where he's going to be. It might be the case that he just has to catch up by playing games, which isn't ideal. Um Simon mentioned there a couple of the things that Barton was talking about in his press conference. I just want to go through a couple of the quotes. He said, You can go out and spend millions of pounds on players, but to create the culture we have here is far more difficult. And he also said, One thing I can guarantee Burnley fans is that every time I pull on a shirt, I'll give everything in my body for the club. I think that really shows that he, he understands what the club's about. Sean Dash has obviously sold the club to him very well. But I think Barton gets it. And I think that, that's going to be crucial. I think, Understanding what the clubs about is really important and, and underrated. I think it's a, a tracing players that we don't talk about a lot, but I think it is absolutely vital. Um, James, are you surprised that we got Barton done? We seemed to think it was a bit remote last week, but it, it came together really quickly in the end.
3: Yeah, it sounds like it was you know one of those ones where um, things came along you know really quickly all of a sudden. Um, it's I think it's a bit hard to believe necessarily what the the real timeline was because there seems to be several different um, versions of it floating around. But you know, it seems at least like, you know there were teams interested in uh, in Barton, and you know for whatever reason he's, he's you know he's, he's decided to to make a decision that's maybe more true to you know him just having a good experience. He obviously he said the bit about how he made just the financial decision at QPR, and he's just, he said told himself he would never do that again. And obviously he's definitely not done that coming to us. So um, you know clearly you know he, he feels that this is the challenge he wants and you know it sounds like Sean Dash has sold it to him really
2: well he mentioned didn't you, when he when he first came in that he he had a more appealing more attractive bigger financial package on offer from a club in Switzerland it was going to be two years as well so he had the opportunity to go somewhere else um John the other midfielder that we talked about all summer really was was Henry Lansbury presumably now Barton is the alternative to that are you quite happy with that or would you still like to see Lansbury come in?
4: Um, I think without seeing Barton play for us, it might be difficult to have a definite answer. But um, I certainly can't grumble at the Barton sign. And I think um, in terms of the, the playing styles, I don't think they're too dissimilar. They both strike me as sort of midfielders with a bit of drive. Maybe Barton is a bit more sort of... Um, so obviously, say relax now in his role, you know, he won't be you know, attacking with that same endeavour maybe as is, is what he might have done six, seven years ago while Lansbury, obviously still quite young and, and has that energy to do that. But um, no, I think it's a really shrewd bit of business. Um, I didn't really get to touch much on it last week, in fact at all. But um, yeah, um, I've been really impressed with him so far. You know, the way he sort of talks in the press conference, you know, I get the impression that he's... Just as comfortable behind the microphone he's on, as he's on the pitch, and um, I think, as has been alluded to already, we need that sort of authority in the midfield, that someone to really dictate things, um, not only in terms of you know being vocal, but you know in terms of the playing style as well. And um, I think Barton certainly adds that and gives us that little bit of experience as well in the middle. And the fact that he said today in the press conference he, he had offers from abroad and Premier League clubs, but he's taken the, the decision to come down to the Championship shows that. We've got a talented squad here that he can see himself playing well in. Um, and he said there's no airs and graces. He doesn't expect to get in straight away when he's, to full, when he's back to full fitness because obviously all the he'll start coming back and Marnie's played in a development squad game today. So um, I don't think he'll walk straight in, but he certainly gives us another option. And um, Yeah, just to, to come back to the question, I think him or Lansbury, I mean, it would have been brilliant to get Lansbury, but um, I certainly don't think Joey Barton's a bad alternative.
2: I disagree actually I think he will come straight into the side I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start I think we'll be be looking to throw him in at the deep end against Sheffield Wednesday after the break um, Kevin, his leadership's going to be important isn't it? Over the summer we've lost Shackle who's obviously the captain we talked about it. How he maybe wasn't the most demonstrative of captains, but he was certainly a leader. Kieran Trippier, led by example. Danny Ings was the same. We've lost those players who contributed a lot in terms of character and strength and leadership on the pitch. Barton's got those qualities, hasn't he? He's going to make a big difference in that term.
5: Definitely is, yeah. I think we, when when we announced Heaton as uh, as captain, we were talking about those, those leaders throughout the pitch. Uh, we were talking about the likes of Michael Duff. I know um, a lot of the newcomers um, have been have been talking about Michael Duff as as playing that captain role almost It's been you know, coming up coming up from giving them that advice, giving him that 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 strength throughout the squad. And we were talked about Dean Marnie as well and obviously the caveat to that was that he was not going to be um back in the squad for quite a while. Um whereas Barton obviously he's is a is a strong leader himself. He's he's very uh outspoken, he's he's confident, he he knows the game inside out. Um and he he's gonna be he's gonna be that player who's gonna give players a role can we need to and he's gonna um shout a lot and, and and almost dictate the pace I think from midfield. And it, it's gonna play that role which we which we were probably lacking with uh, with Dean Marnie um being out. So I think that's that's a real plus point to um to, to him coming in. Um and we you know we were talking about whether Tom Heaton being a captain from the back um will work that well. But I think when you've got the likes of Duff um I'm I'm particularly Barton throughout midfield to complement um, Heaton's leadership probably behind the scenes a little bit more. Um, that's going to be really, really crucial to 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 our success this season.
2: Yeah, I think the, the thing about Barton that I'm looking forward to seeing is that I think he's going to be really positive on the ball. David Jones, he, he seems to have become a bit of a whipping boy this season I don't know if it's just things on social media or message boards etc but there's been a lot of criticism over the way Jones goes about the game even though he's not doing anything different he's just playing the same way as he always does we know what we get from Jones he's very warm fussed we all know that he's not the quickest we all know that but he'll keep the ball and that's really important sometimes you just need someone who's going to retain possession but I think Barton will take more risks in possession he'll look to go forward he'll look to take people on and Jones created two goals at Bristol City and people were still saying he had a bad game it was like if you hadn't put the corners on Ben me and Michael Keane's head then we might not have won the game we might have lost the game so I think having the right partner is crucial for Jones we saw that when Marnie came in they were obviously a very good fit and I'm hopeful on paper Barton and Jones is going to be a similarly good fit in overstanding Marnie Coming back to, to support those two should be good. Um, another midfielder that's been linked in the press, I think Sean Dash has also spoken about him, although Chris from the Express says that it's unlikely we'll get this done, is Kevin Nolan. he's been released by West Ham. Um, Nolan and Barton may be a bit too similar but certainly someone who's got experience and again we'll talk about leadership ability in the middle of the park, he's been promoted from the Championship um, Simon, do you think Barton and Nolan together would be a bit too samey, too old heads maybe not got as much in, in the way of legs as they used to be obviously still got two legs each but maybe not the energy to get around the park
0: Yeah, I mean he's probably more of an attacking midfielder than, than Barton isn't he but but I, I'm, I'm sort of relieved that it seems to have gone away. That one, really, because I think you can go too far with the experienced players like that. And, and I think we've got a decent mix there of of, of of some good experienced players, one or two young younger players on the fringes of it, and, and then one or two in the side. And I, I, you know, I just think I don't know. It starts to feel a little bit John Bondish, doesn't it, when you start getting too many thirty three, thirty four year old ex Premier League players coming into the. Uh, in, into into the setup, I, I I wouldn't be too disappointed if we didn't go for him.
2: What about you, James? Do you think no one would be a good addition? Obviously, it's it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but you can you um, never can tell, can you? Uh,
3: with Dean Marnie's return being sort of you know not in the too distant future, um, I wouldn't be too keen to to add someone who's definitely going to want to put a, Um I can't see. Kevin Nolan coming here and saying the same things that Barton has. You know where Barton said that you know he might end up get stuck on the bench, but um, I can't really see that being the Kevin Nolan way.
2: I, I was really against potentially signing Nolan, but after Vossen went back to Belgium, we'll come on to Vossen next. I just wondered if Nolan playing in behind the striker might be an option. I don't think he could play in a four four two anymore, but maybe dropping behind someone like Andre Gray and getting in the box maybe, maybe he'd be a good option there. I don't know because
3: I, I, personally that's something I quite like to see George Boyd do, um, you know, play just in behind the strikers. And Absolutely. You know, you mentioned Vossen there and Vossen probably would have been, you know, suitable for that role if he'd been able to settle in England. But, um, you know, I think really for that position you probably want a bit more legs and, you know, we've got Mike Taylor as well who's, you know, so you probably put in a similar bracket to to Nolan and, and Barton in
0: terms of uh, the legs they've
3: got left,
2: so. Yeah, I think we should probably stop talking about how many legs people got. It's it's getting a bit surreal.
0: That's a really good point about about George Boyd though, because I noticed a number of people have have been sort of pointing out that he he doesn't look too happy at the moment. And I've been, I was I was thinking about this that this week, like why why what would be the problem? I think you know last year he did an awful lot of. He's a creative attacking player, and if you look at if you look at his clips from his time at Peterborough and so on he played very central roles quite a lot and and was very much an attacking player. And last year, he sacrificed a lot of that with all that incredible work rate that everyone talked about. And I just wonder if he didn't think coming down to the championship, okay, now it's my time to shine, give me a spot. And then he's seen himself, you know, given that job again of of slogging up and down the right. So I think he could be very interested in that role, but that presumes that we might play a slightly different formation,
2: which uh, is a big presumption to make with Mr. Dash, isn't it? (sighs) I think it's a good point. I think when the season started, I was hopeful that Boyd was, was going to be a, a, a big player. I mean, we've paid £3 million for him, joint record signing, and he's the player who's done well in the Championship before. I, I was looking for 10 goals and 10 assists from him, and we've seen very little so far, so yeah, maybe switching up his role a bit.
3: Yeah, we did actually see Boyd in that role, at, I think, in one of the pre-season games, and apparently it was impressive. So, you know, I, I think that is something that, you know, it might happen at some point, but it'd it probably need a little bit of rejigging of the rest of the lineup as well.
2: Maybe something to work on over the international break. Um, moving on then to we and we've, we've just touched on him. Probably the strangest transfer moving of the summer at Turf Moor um, Vossen came in from Genk in Belgium and had spent a year on loan at Middlesbrough in the Championship and done reasonably well and it looked like he was going to fill the Danny Ings role dropping off and linking the play but we seemed to struggle to get him involved in the play he didn't really look happy, some people said he didn't look interested, it was talking being lazy so maybe we shouldn't have been surprised to hear that he'd gone back to Belgium after just 8 weeks that snapped up by Club Bruges on a long term deal Um Jordan, it's it's been made quite clear that it's personal reasons why he's gone back so we've got to respect that but do you think Vossum could have worked out or was it just something that we just had to cut our losses on maybe?
4: Um, yeah, I, I mean, I might be being optimistic in saying I think it could have worked out because I don't think many people were um, too enthralled by his, his first few showings, uh, shall we say but um, I certainly think for the money we paid out for him um, and... The sort of CV had the experience he brought. I know experience is no guarantee of success, but you'd think, you know, playing in the Champions League and, and, um, you know, scoring plenty of goals in Belgium and, and even a couple on the international stage as well for his country, that we'd be getting, um, someone who would, you know, be a, be a poacher. You know, we, James spoke earlier about sort of striker, um, categories, if you will, and you've got your target men and your poachers. So I think Bossen was certainly the latter. I think. Um, you know, you'd expect to find him sort of hovering around the the area and in the area, um, ready, ready to pounce on chances, um, be it with his feet or in the air. But, you know, a lot of the times I saw him, he seemed to be dropping deep and maybe playing a different style to, to what he was used to. I mean, I remember his, his um sort of first interview with us, he described his, his role as sort of a nine and a half, which is in between an out-and-out striker and out strike or in a deep-lying one. Uh, but I think he, there was too much of him, you know, being a deep-lying one. He was often, like I said, um, coming deeper into midfield, picking the ball up, and then not really doing doing an awful lot with it. Um, you know, I, so it's it's a massive shame. Yeah, I think you know the, we'd suddenly gone from having very little strikers or very few available strikers to this wealth of options. And I certainly didn't expect Vossen to be one of those that that made way. But um, I'm disappointed it hasn't worked out because I think. Although I said that that invokes, um is likely to be our sort of main partnership this season, I don't think Vossen is a bad option at all coming off the bench, or it wouldn't have been a bad option at all coming off the bench. So um, it's disappointing, but um, I can't begrudge him because you know it's his choice, it's personal reasons. Um, you know, a lot of Burnley fans might have been quite quick to judge him on his on his first few performances, but I, I certainly thought that there was potential there, and um, unfortunately, we won't see whether he uh, whether it all really worked out.
2: I think it's a shame. I think it was obvious from the first few games that he he didn't quite fit into the style of play, but adapting the style of play, something that takes time, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think last year in particular a bit predictable in the way we went about our play and I felt Vossen had the potential to do something a bit different, he seemed a bit unpredictable at times, he was happy to come deep for the ball which I think you need from one of your strikers, the problem was we just weren't getting him involved, he was coming deep and we weren't getting the ball to him, I think there was one one occasion on Saturday at Bristol where he got the ball into feet and used it quite well and, and that was it, apart from that he was almost the passenger, we just couldn't get him involved in the play um, Kevin, what what your thoughts on the whole thing. It just sounds like he's newly married and they've just not been able to make it work in Burnley.
5: Uh, yeah well first of all I, I agree with, with Jordan there but I think he was he was um he was certainly getting a lot of stick from fans but I think it was unwarranted. Um for me I think the biggest problem with, with Vossen he was he, he was very quiet but I think he really suffered from the our makeshift midfield. Um like Jordan said it was it was he was coming so far back. Um he was you could you could see that he was visibly frustrated by by the the lack of any anybody to really um get between the the midfield uh, and, and the strikers and he was coming so far back that actually he he struggled to have any impact up top at all um and but you've got this one was well he he had that um he he had a great flick on for for michael keaton's uh, i think it was first goal of the season um so that was a really good Contribution from him, um, his his only contribution, but it was a good one. I <laughs> think um, it's a bit strange the whole the whole personal thing because it's not like he's it's not like he's the, like Hennings who's just moved to England for the first time this summer. He spent he spent last season here, um, so obviously him and his partner knew 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 what we were getting into when we agreed to to come back to Burnley permanently. Okay, being on on loan is a different proposition to being here permanently, but. He's been in the country for the best best part of a year, at least. Um, so it's a little bit strange on that, on that regard. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed to see him go. Really, I think he, I've, I do think he had something to offer. But it's the it's the same thing with how when he left to go back to Bournemouth. I don't think anyone can really begrudge player players or individuals or managers going back for. For, for personal and family reasons, so there's certainly no no hard feelings.
2: I think that's true. I think the only thing I would say is I think I wonder if the club really did did its due diligence on Vossen. Surely they were aware aware that he was getting married or had just got married, and and there was going to be a chance that he wouldn't sell. Um, there was a conspiracy theory actually that uh, it might be absolute nonsense, but it's worth mentioning. Um, Genk and Bruges are apparently big rivals in in Belgium. And apparently Genk wouldn't have sold Vossen to Bruges, but him coming here for a bit managed to get him over there. So maybe something in that, or maybe it was just straightforward as, as his wife didn't like Burnley. Um, Simon, is the latest in a long line of foreign players to have not made an impact at Burnley. Do you think there's something in that? Is is a, a problem at the club? Is it a way... It's just, is there something more we could be doing to help these players settle? Because players like Bessel Borussia, Remco van der Schaaf, these players who've come from abroad and done absolutely nothing at the club, and Fossen's the same, really.
0: I mean, I don't know what we do do with them, so it'd be hard to criticise the club for, for not doing enough, but what it does make you wonder, because our record with, with foreign players hasn't been good, and there's been a number of foreign players who we've had, and I've, I've always found this strange, who have looked pretty good. And, and, and uh and uh, have not been able to do anything i mean i don't think people necessarily you know marco marco gentile who was there i think in the waddle era wasn't he uh marco marco gentile went back to holland and belgium and and played in the champions league um having not made any impact at all at burnley when we were, were nowhere near as big a club as we are now um you have Dimitri Papadopoulos, who also played in the Champions League after after leaving Burnley, a player who I thought had a lot of promise from what I saw of him, um, and he and he never really got much of a run at Burnley. He made appearances here and there, never got a full run in the team. I know opinions were were divided about him. I was definitely, you know, a, f- a fan of his. I thought he had a lot of possession, uh, but, you know, when a player comes over these these are investments these are big money investments now you know we're we talking about two three million million pounds on players are we looking after them are we are we making sure i mean brian clough used to say this thing about you know number one priority is make sure make sure that the wife is happy um well that doesn't sound like that might have happened either before or after you know was is there that is there somebody there who helps people settle? In? I don't know I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize the club for that, but it does seem like we don't have a great record We've, we've picked some bad ones like Nimani, who look like you know somebody who you know the classic YouTube agent deal but um you know i I, I think we need, it'd be a shame if we now get put off going for more foreign players. I really hope Hennings works out and I've heard a lot of good things about him his his YouTube clips, clips look fantastic, don't they? And I think he, you know, with his pace and aggression and so on, he'll be, he'll be something useful up front for us this season. I hope this doesn't put us off, though, the foreign market, because you look at the crazy money people are spending on English players at the moment. We need to be looking to pick up bargains in Europe and good signings. And, and Vossen, for that money, with his goal scoring record and his position in Belgian football, looked a good deal, but, you know, it hasn't worked out. And as I say, let's hope that in the future we, we get it right.
2: That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, Vossen and Hennings, a couple of million each, I think they were. If there'd been English players playing in the Championship, there'd probably be five, six million at least. Um, James, have you got anything to add on Vossen? And we've been talking about foreign players. And all oh, those, one in particular, you had a soft spot for.
3: Um, oh, yeah, John Rivalo. Well, he did have that, obviously, excellent performance against Aston Villa. But I thought you meant Barisha because I did have his shirt before the, the Cruciate uh, thing happened. And then, obviously, he never really played for us. Uh, ever did he so um, I should have bought a Vossen shirt and I could have the the ones that got away sort of collection Um, but to be honest I don't think there's really much you can blame the club for Um, presumably they did know he got married but you can't predict that someone's going to decide that actually their wife doesn't like living in England which I think is what it sounds like you know he was in England himself before and you know maybe it was okay but um, this time round Maybe maybe the missus didn't quite like being by herself so much and uh you've got to think as well, maybe when he first came in, obviously the situation was a little bit different and um, you know, maybe if he would be able to put up with it if he was starting every week, but obviously he dropped a little bit down the pecking order since uh, Gray and Hennings came in, so um you know, it's probably a bit of a tough look and and just, you know, unfortunate personal circumstances.
2: It certainly goes down as one of the, the oddest little chapters in Burnley's transfer history, I think it's fair to say. Um, moving on to the other player who's departed the club, the other other player, not even going to mention Luke O'Neill because he had so little impact, um, but Marvin Sordell, who who almost became a bit of a cult hero, certainly a couple of fans, took to him strongly. I know Ben Llewellyn, who's a, a friend of none and ever, certainly is a huge fan. Um Jordan, it was just a sensible decision to just allow Sodell to move on, wasn't it? It wasn't going to happen with so many strikes at the club, his chances were going to be very limited this season.
4: Yeah, I think it's a a shame. He seems a nice guy, Um, not that I know him personally or anything, but um, he's always come across as as, decent and I think that, you know, but unfortunately, nice guys don't always necessarily make the best footballers, but... um, No, um, I think it's a sensible decision, as you say, it's right for both parties, Um, you know, Marvin is is still, what, you know, mid-twenties or something, so they want first-team football at this level, I think he's good enough to to play at this level, but I think with our recent sort of influx in strikers, you know, and Hennings and Gray, uh, that his chances are always going to be limited, Um, and obviously for us as well it gets another sort of wage uh, off the bill without sounding too uh, too negative, but yeah, it, it sort of frees up that. You know, a bit of extra money now, maybe, and obviously we can't do anything with it, but um, you know, it, it just as you say, it makes perfect sense for him to go and, and play and, and earn money elsewhere than <clears throat> for us to just sort of stockpile strikers and not let them get a game, particularly when Darch is sort of set in his ways when he's got a when he's got a strike partnership as we as we've seen in the past. So um yeah, it's sad, but um yeah, I can't begrudge him at all. It's a logical decision.
2: I think it's a shame because he's a player who Back in the day, he had a lot of potential. He scored goals at Watford as a young player. got an interesting tweet earlier, actually, from a Watford fan site, fans group thing, suggesting that Sordell concentrates too much on saving the world, were his exact words, and his, his charitable foundation, which I thought was an interesting way of looking at it. Probably a lot of rubbish, but could be something in it. Maybe he just didn't have enough focus. Maybe that's something to there. Maybe he just wasn't very good. Um, Kevin, what are your thoughts on Sordell?
5: Oh, it's like we said the other week. I just feel sorry for him. it, it just seems like you said he seems like a nice chap. Although I think my my strongest I, I, every time he every time he was subbed on, I'd always put a picture on my and ever Twitter, just his his uh, his player picture. Just my, my point was that he looked he just looked so happy, he had a huge smile on his face. Um, I and mean, then the other week, somebody pointed out, but actually, if you look at his this season's photo, when he looks really happy. But if you look at it ne- next to last last season photo, he looked even happier last season. I mean, you look at the year before when he was at uh, I think it was Bolton. He looked even happier then. So he's getting sadder every year on his um on his uh, on his player photos, and it's just heartbreaking. Um, it's, it's odd though he's he's gone when he's actually got a much better goal record than Djokovic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> one, one in 20 odd is much, much better than none in 30 odd.
5: He's played half as many games, and and most of those have been, only been kind of five ten minutes at the end, and he's still managed to score more goals than Djokovic. Uh,
2: than um, it's strange, isn't it? Because the Duke seems to get a lot of leeway from fans, I think, because he obviously puts so much into it, whereas Sordell, people just seems to regard as completely hopeless. I think Sordell's different
5: as well. Djokovic is probably a similar type of player, um, to, to Hennings and Volks, I think. Um, they're all, they're all different in their own ways, but certainly they can be, they can be grouped together. Um, whereas Sordell, Offers that little bit different um, to, to the others, so it's 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 he it can give us something different if we want something different from the bench. Um, ideally, we, we'd never want to, to to use him because we we wouldn't need have that problem because let's be honest, we don't want to play. So we don't want to play either Sodell or Duke. Um, but if we had to, I, I think I, if we had to get rid of one of them, I'd probably have preferred to get rid of Duke. Um, but but to be honest, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that within a few weeks. Neither of them are uh, at the club.
2: Yeah, I'd get rid of both, to be honest. <laughs> um, James? Uh, it's a
3: shame, almost, that this is a podcast because I think there's a, a graph to go with Marvin Sodell's career. <laughs> which is, um, it could be also in- interactivity on the podcast. Which is on one side, goals per game. On the other side, the size of his thighs. Because if you, if you look at pictures of Marvin Sodell playing for Watford, he's very, very slight. If you look at pictures of him playing for us, He's a guy who's definitely not skipped leg day
2: recently. His legs are huge. They're like trees. James, when you said you've got a point on Swordell, I really didn't think it was going to be about how big his legs are. Yeah, well. I'm really worried about yeah. this, this week's podcast now
5: because <laughs> we've had Jamie going on about legs and now James is going on about thighs.
2: <laughs> there is much more talk about legs than I anticipated. He's kind of like. Akin by. do you remember when Akin came by, no, went that is a good point he got really massive didn't he and lost yeah. all his pace he
3: was scoring fantastic for us we sold him he spent all his time in the gym he came back and he was like he just wasn't the same player probably because his legs were chafing so you know you've got to wonder if it's the same thing for
2: that's an interesting point um, let us know what you think about James's point about Martin Sodell's legs <laughs> Get in touch with us via Twitter. Our Twitter name is at noninevernet, or you can email us at podcast at dot net as well. Um, Simon, Sordell, it's hard to remember sometimes that he scored a lot of goals in Championship level for Watford as a teenager, and Stuart Pierce took into the Olympics in the team, G- team GB squad instead of Jay Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, you look back at it, twenty ten,
0: twenty eleven season, he scored fifteen goals. Uh, in all competitions, playing in the championship, and then he scored ten in twenty-nine the next season with Watford. So you can see why Daesh might have thought that he was the man to to get him going again. Uh, I mean, the frightening thing is that's the kind of goal-scoring record that that Andre Gray had last season. Really, I mean, you know, fifteen or eighteen. You know, you can, you can you can have seasons like that and then lose it. Let's hope that's. <laughs> That's not going to be the case with Andrew Gray. I'm sure it's not going to be because he does look—he's a very different player. Sodell just looked completely overawed to me last year watching watching the Premier League games on television. Every time he came on, it looked like we were throwing in a kid from the youth team. He just—he's touch. I mean, that what what game was it? The Birmingham game where he had a chance this year, where he just totally
2: froze, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he wouldn't even hit it. I was about to and, bring that up. It just, and as soon as that happened, I thought
0: this kid's got—you know—he's got to go. A, he's not good enough for, for Burnley at the moment and B, it's obviously not doing him any good because somebody who scored that amount of goals in the Championship earlier in his career shouldn't be like that. I mean, there's something, something seriously wrong with his confidence there that I suppose it's it's two or three years of not being in the regular in the team. So, good luck to him. I hope he finds somewhere. There's been rumours about Udersfield, but apparently they're, they're, they've they said they're not interested. Um I'm sure he'll find somewhere in League 1 or League 2 and hopefully start scoring the goals again because he does seem like people have said, a nice lad.
2: I think it's inevitable that he's going to come back and score at the turf for somebody else, isn't it? It's, it just seems absolutely inevitable. I've already mentioned the we just talked about the Birmingham moment. There's one moment as well that for me sums up Sordell's career. It was against Sunderland last season at Turf Moor, Sordell. Um, the ball came to him in the box. It came across him and he just needed to open up his body and hit it. And It was about eight yards out goal in his sights, really good chance compared to the fact that we created no chances in a lot of games last season, and he opened up his body did everything right totally missed the ball, and that for me summed up Marvin Sodell, he couldn't even hit the ball and that was um, (laughs) it's just sad really, I'm sad for Sodell because I think there is a player in there. It's just where is he? Dash obviously felt he could get back the the old sword elf and Watford that worked together at Watford, but just didn't happen in the end. And to echo what Simon said, best thoughts to him. But that's the transfer window over now. It's slammed shut for another few months. The loan window opens next week, and Burnley can still sign up free agents, so transfer speculation will no doubt continue. Um, but to sum up, the transfer window, without including all the development squad ins and outs and the kids that were released, in came Andre Gray, Lowton, Derrickler, Henning, Barton Long, and Vossen. Out went Ingstrippier, Shackle, Wallace, O'Neill, Reed, Chisack, and Vossen. <laughs> Overall then, with you'd probably say three first-teamers in the shape of Vines, Trippier and Shackle going out. How are we feeling overall about how it's gone? We asked on Twitter, but we'll go through the panel first. James, what are your overall thoughts? Are you quite satisfied or do you think there's still problem areas?
3: Um, I would have liked to see us bringing another centre back, I think. Um, you know, like I said on, on Saturday, it, there was times when um, you know the pace of Bristol City looked a little bit too much for uh, for Michael Duff um, at this stage in his career but you know he's obviously still got the great football mind and you know he knows where the play's going to go but you can't always make up for for sheer pace if, you, if you're against you know a, a really quick lad um, but you know I think other than that our businesses look decent um, you know it is a little disappointing I think to, to lose Boston because he I think he showed glimmers of you know being a decent player but uh, every time he seemed to get the ball for us he didn't really be in an area where he was, he was going to score and obviously he should have probably scored on Saturday um, which I'm glad he didn't now because otherwise it'd be probably even more disappointing to have lost him but um, obviously I think Joey Barton's the you know the key signing because we're, we're missing something in midfield while while Morney's not there and I think um, you know that, that's something Barton's going to be able to add and it's probably going to make it really difficult for Dash when um, Morney's back because you know Jones is very, very good at this level. He's a great passer of the ball, um, but we all know what Deimon is like in this Burnley side, and you're not going to
4: want to miss that. And if Barton hits the ground running, then it's a, it's a good problem to have. Um, yeah, I think my my own views on on the transfer window is uh, the word I used um, when replying to the question that Noi never put out on Twitter was progressive. And what I mean by that is that I think, particularly in the last you know summer or two, we've sort of sort of changed. Um, I'd like to think we've gone a long way to changing our perception, or how other how other clubs and how other fans perceive perceive Burnley. I think a lot of people still expect the majority of the fans to rock up to the turf, you know, with a with a whippet and a flat cap on. But and and there are people that might do that. I don't know. But I think generally we've sort of become a bit more modern as a club. You know, we, we've completely smashed our transfer record, and that sort of, that move sort of reflected the times. You know, it reflected football as a whole really at the minute where we've got to play we've got to pay a premium price for uh, you know. Um, a championship goal scorer or someone who can potentially fire us to promotion so that's the price you've got to pay nowadays and I think doing things like that um, signing a player like Joey Barton was a real coup for the club and um, that's certainly something we couldn't have envisaged a few years ago obviously it was arguably better when he was in his prime but you know he's by no means a spent force now I don't believe and again I just think you know it's it's a real statement of our intent that we've got players like that coming in and spending this money um, some fans may say it's long overdue with the parachute payments we've had and the Premier League money and whatnot, but um, I've been really impressed with with all the signings. Really, um, I don't think there's sort of a, one I've looked at and thought, and that hasn't quite worked out. With me, Boston obviously is, is a bit different, but I think they all add um, valuable quality. Of course, first and foremost, I think Derek and Loughton are, are really good choices to have it right back and. I think Derek especially with his versatility, he can play a bit further forward on the wing if needs be. And, and Long, um, young Chris Long, um, who hasn't really featured, I don't think at all competitively for us, but I think his time will come. Um, and yeah, obviously the headline ones, as I, as I alluded to, were, were Graham Barton. And I think those two, like I said, are real statements of intent and I think would, would go into many championship sides, um, if not everyone. So... I think they're really good signings and they've capped off what has been um, a really good summer for us. Um, obviously, losing the players we did do, the big names, that was inevitability. But um, I think we've gone a long way to being certainly more clinical when identifying targets and securing them. Um, we couldn't get Lansbury over the line, but I'd like to think Frank McParlane's made a big difference, um, sort of identifying targets, pursuing them and, and just being clinical and ruthless with that with that approach to signing players. So, um, yeah, I've been really pleased, really impressed.
5: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with both um, with both of you there. Uh, the, the players we've signed, I think I've been been relatively happy with, with every single one of them. Um, I think they'll all add a lot to the team. Uh, my only concern, similar to what James said, is is at centre back. I think we're I think we're in a situation at the moment which is alarmingly similar to what happened in January uh, when the window closed and we only had two two central midfielders and then a couple of days later, Marnie was out, and that, that was it. Uh, luckily, this season, there's a lone window, and I think what I'm talking about, the the, the centre-backs there, um, currently we're relying on um, Keane and Duff staying staying fit and available. Um, the latter of those, obviously, is a 37-year-old, although admittedly, Still relatively fit for as, as far as thirty-seven-year-olds go, but he's still thirty-seven-year-old and through his risks of picking up niggles and um, spending some time on the sidelines. And if that does happen to to either of them, we're, we're going to have to not just bring somebody in who isn't going to be a first choice in that position, but also rejig the whole team. Um, Likely Ben Me coming into the middle uh, and Ward coming in at left back. Um, so hopefully we'll bring someone in on, on loan in that position. I know Dyche has been wanting to strengthen centre-back, so hopefully we can we can do that. But overall, relatively... I'm, well, not relatively, I'm, I'm really pleased with the business we've had. I think we've replaced key players as well. Um, I think I'm happy with, with Derrick right back, and Lawton sounds like he's going to be a good player as well, so that's trippy and well replaced. Uh, Ings, we've got brought in some really solid strikers. I think So I'm happy with all the strikers we've brought in. So... Um, yeah, happy with what we've done to replace things. Um We've finally got that central midfield, and I think Barton, although um still some questions there for me um, on, on, on the personal side of that. Uh, I think definitely he's he's got all the, 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 the footballing attributes we we've we require in that position. So other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with the people we've brought in, and if we can bring a, a centre-back in on loan, then I think we've been a really, really successful window.
2: I agree. I think it's just a little bit of defensive cover is, is really all I'd like to see. You'd think in central midfield, although we're currently a little bit light, obviously Barton's fitness might not quite be there, but Overstab's not going to be too far away. Marnie will hopefully see in competitive action in the next few weeks if not by Christmas so there's cover there I think the only other I'd like to see some some more star quality maybe a quick winger come in someone like um, I know Antonio from Forest went to, to West Ham for big money but there were rumours Albert was going to be leaving for I think he'd have been perfect but you think when Lothman's fit he's going to play right back so Derrick could be pushed forward so there's that option there as well um, like I think we mentioned earlier we did ask on Twitter for fans to describe the summer transfer window in one word. Um, some of the answers we got. Weird. Active. Confused. Emotional. Improving. Transition. Secretive. Referring to the undisclosed fees, I assume. Um, peculiar. Eyebrow-rising. Reconstructive. Meh. Frustrating. Better. Ridiculous. Incoherent. Shocking. Marvin. Mixed. Clinical-ish. Belgian. Belgian. Better, disjointed, expected, bizarre, average, good-ish, disillusioned, land hard work, not really one word, but we'll, we'll let it slide, imbalanced and unbalanced, unusual, odd, existential, missing, indifferent, average, whelming, transformational, extreme, and closed. Um, Simon, what are your thoughts on the, the summer transfer window as a whole? It's about eight players in, eight players out, roughly. I think it's, it,
0: it exceeded expectations. That's the way I put it. You know, I, I really felt with with losing uh, Ings and Trippier in particular that we were going to struggle to replace them and to bring in, you know, Gray and then uh, Derico has been for me the only signing we've made who's made an instant impact. Really, isn't he? So far, the one who comes in and you go, oh, he looks pretty good. I wonder if that's because he had a proper preseason at his club and was was ready to go. Um, and and he looks great. I'm not actually that bothered about the defence at the moment. I think the problem here is that you know, if you're going to bring in a loan player from the Premier League, they're going to they want to be playing regularly. No one wants to come down on loan from the Premier League and be on the bench. So it's a lot easier if you're one of the smaller clubs or bottom half clubs in the Championship to get those kind of players. And 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 if you're a defender on the fringes of Aston Villa or or Everton or somewhere and you look at Burnley you think, well, am I going to go there and be back up to Duff and uh, and Keane straight away? And I'm perfectly happy about Ben Mee filling in at left back and uh, centre-half and Ward coming in if that needs to be what happens. Because to me, Ben Mee still looks like a centre-half playing at left back. I think, I think the future is Keane and me in the centre of the defence. Ward's a good left back. We've got other options at left back as well with Lafferty and so on. Uh, I don't know if Lawton can play in the central defence these days. He did earlier in his career, so I'm, I'm not that worried about it. I think we've improved our attack uh, overall, and I think we've got a lot more options in midfield now. So yeah, I think it's pretty good.
2: A good positive note on which to finish. Um, we always end on predictions, but since the next game's a little way away, two home games up next: Sheffield Wednesday and MK Dons. And just to touch on, actually, we've got to praise the club for an initiative they've announced today. Uh, For the MK Dons game, midweek game, not the most appealing fixture. They've announced that Burnley fans will be able to go into the cricket field stand for just £5. Which I think is an absolutely fantastic move. Maybe a sign of the influence of David Baldwin as the chief executive. We all know about his time at Bradford. all the initiatives he did regarding fans and ticket prices and such. I think that's an excellent move and hopefully a lot of Burnley fans will take advantage. Otherwise the club will think, why did we do this? And maybe not do something similar again anyway as i was saying predictions to finish but we will not do predictions for the next couple of games because they're a couple of weeks away we don't know what the the team's going to be like we don't know what they're like in terms of fitness or selection or who's available etc um but with the the transfer window closing we've got more of a sense of what the squad shape what sort of shape the squad is in so james we'll start with you where do you think roughly Burnley are going to finish are we good enough for top six at the minute or are we going to fall short or are you going to be bolder and say we could go up automatically
3: I think you've got to think we are good enough for top six you know um, the size that we put out so, this, so far this season your know Barr uh, Trippier Ings aren't really dissimilar to, to what we're putting out at the end of our season and you know we've still got some Premier League results even though we went down um, I, th- I think it's true to say obviously we've had a bit of a slow start Certainly not the start that we had. Um our last time in the championship where, you know, we we look like a surprise package from the from the get go. But um yeah, I think it's a bit of a culture shock for the players to come, come down from the Premier League. Obviously the style of football is a little bit different in this league and um you know, we've seen some players have had a slow start, sort of like George Boyd and I think other people have started positively, which for me is you know, probably Michael Cartley, who looks like he's he's showing glimmers of being the player we know he can be at this level. And if he continues like that, and if, you know, we get people like Boyka back to form, if Joey Barton plays the way we know he can, and obviously if Andre Gray scores all those goals, you know, I think, you know, you could you could see us in the automatic spot. So I I don't want to say we'll win the league, but I think you, you're you looking at sort of second to fourth for us. I think that's, you know, the the type of position we've got the squad for and obviously it's the kind of result we should be looking for from uh, what we spent
2: this summer. Early days, Jordan, but we're ninth as it stands, and nobody's looking like they're going to run away with the league. It's probably going to be as tight as ever, isn't it?
4: Yeah, I don't think um, there's sort of one big standout team in, in the division. I mean, Derby have obviously spent a lot of money uh, this transfer window. 10 million
2: on two midfielders on deadline now. We're all talking about midfielders we'd buy, and Jacob Butfield and Bradley Johnson apparently cost 10 million the pair, so maybe that's why we didn't quite buy a central midfielder.
4: Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I think Bradley Johnson had a good season last year, but that's 10 million is just an obscene amount of money. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, with regards to whereabouts we'll finish. Uh, as I said, there isn't one standout team. So, as you say, I think it'll be quite tight. Um, I, I think there's one or two teams that have started quite solid that are certainly going to improve. I think, by contrast, is one or two teams that have started really well that that could drop away. Um, so, I think I expect us to finish anywhere between sort of similar to James, maybe eighth, all the way through to to third or fourth. Um, but if I, were, if I were to be pushed for a, a specific place, I'd probably say. Sn- six. I think, I think we'll just sneak in.
2: Kevin, do you think top six is realistic? Then it's always difficult when teams come down.
5: I, I, I think it is. Yeah, I think we've got. Um, I know it's early um, days, but I think we, we've shown that we can hopefully um, still have that kind of spirit that we showed uh, over the last the last two years. Um, we've got. I think we've we've met, like I say we've we some good additions to the squad. I think we've got. I think we've definitely got a, a strong squad. There are still some some areas that could be improved. Um, obviously, um, there's champions like Derby have already won the league, so there's only second place to go for 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 automatic spot. Um, I think I think we'll be battling battling around the, the automatic places most of the season. I'm not sure we might we might we might just miss out. Uh, I think I think we should get a promo, uh Sorry, a, a playoff spot. Um, Hopefully Unless things go wrong But I think with the squad we've got And the spirit that If we can retain that in the squad Then we should certainly be be Looking for a a, a, promo, a, a playoff spot
2: I think what what's key for me Is the number of players we've got Who've been there and done it before Obviously The nucleus of the squad A lot of those players were, were here two years ago And went up then They know how to go about it We've brought in players Like Joey Barton Who've been promoted numerous times So they know how to go about it, and they, they add extra things to the group. I think Andre Gray's got the potential to for the top scorer in the league. That's going to be crucial. Um, maybe injuries and suspensions will have a factor, but you can say that for every club. Um, Simon, we'll, we'll finish with you then. Where do you see Burnley finishing in uh, in the table at the end of the season, and who do you think our main rivals are going to be?
0: Well, I think I think you know, any to get out of this league, as we've seen from our experience over the years pretty much everything has to work, doesn't it? And I think, you know, if you look at this squad, if Barton comes in and has the impact, if Gray comes in and scores goals, um, you know, if everything else falls into place, I think looking at our squad, we should be looking at the top two. We should. I don't, I don't think with the amount of money that we spent and the, and the quality of player we have with, with the experience that they have, we should be looking at six or seventh and, and, and having a trip to Wembley and being happy with that. I think we should be pushing for t- for the top two. Of course, if Gray doesn't score goals and Barton's a crock half the time, then it's it's going to be difficult. So if everything comes together, I'm confident we can, we can go up. Our main rivals, it's a difficult one. I mean, you think with the money they're spending, Derby should be. But, you know, they've lost Will Hughes, haven't they? Oh, I think it's a fantastic player. I would have loved to have seen us sign him this, this time last year. Um, and, I, you know, the, are these panic buys they're going for now? You know, it looks a little bit that way, doesn't it? So... Who knows? It's wide open. I think Middlesbrough could be a threat again this season, but um, I think we'll be up there.
2: Excellent. Good positivity from everyone. Everyone's convinced we're going to do well this season. That is about all we've got time for this week. No podcast next week because it's the international break, but this one's been a bit of a, a long one, double length special, so feel free to space it out throughout the next couple of weeks. Um, thanks to James, Jordan, Simon and Kevin for joining me. Thanks to everyone who got involved on Twitter earlier. If you're not following on Twitter already, then what are you doing with your life? Our uh, address is Nets. You can email us as well at podcast.nonevernet nonanever.net if you've got any feedback questions etc if you want to be on the podcast please do get in touch thanks as ever to our sponsors and Neville G we couldn't do the podcast without them but that is all we've got time for this week and we'll see you in a couple of weeks time goodbye Watford Sodell Bolton Sodell Charlton
3: Sodell Burnley sold out and you just see it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and he scores less and less goals.
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.